I'm Tammy Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas, for another edition of Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border. As Venezuelans continue to be expelled to Mexico with a return by the Biden administration of Title 42, many are stuck at the border on the Mexican side waiting. Title 42 was the policy used by President Trump during COVID to send asylum seekers back to Mexico to wait for any sort of an asylum process. Now, ironically, the Biden administration has brought it back, but only for people from Venezuela who meet certain requirements. Now that is causing some issues. For example, in El Paso, Border Patrol agents shot pepper balls toward migrants after an agent was allegedly assaulted near the U.S.-Mexico border on Monday with a flag. Giovanni Carrillo with our sister stations, KFOX and CBS in El Paso, covered the confrontations there on Monday. CBP says that migrants were protesting at the border when everything played out. Now, we do have a video of the uh, altercation, but keep in mind that we don't know what happened before everything happened. Now, people that I spoke with say the situation could have been handled differently. Migrants jumping into the Rio Grande and running away from CBP officers. That was the scene at the U.S.-Mexico border earlier today. I believe that Border Patrol and immigrants had the wrong way to, I guess, communicate with each other. The response shouldn't be to, I guess, attack. It shouldn't be to come and show like, hey, we can mess you up. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol says that a group of Venezuelan migrants were trying to enter the country illegally while protesting at the border. CBP says that one of the migrants assaulted an agent with a flagpole, which caused CBP to use what they call crowd control measures. They shot pepper balls at the crowd, causing them to retreat to Mexico. Obviously, it's unfortunate to see people being violent towards one another. We, as Border Network, condemn violence, whatever it comes. Fernando Garcia is the executive director of Border Network for Human Rights. He believes that when migrants were coming over, it was a cry for help. Listen, this is this is the result of, of, of a very desperate situation. This is a situation created by by our border and immigration policies, especially the ones that are actually rejecting asylum seekers through Title 42. On October 12th, the DHS announced a new enforcement process for Venezuelan migrants. Essential Venezuelans can now be expelled back to Mexico under Title 42. They have to be vetted before being allowed in the country. Now, the fact that Biden is using it, it is not understandable. I, he promised a different approach to the border. He promised to have a, to revamp the asylum process and he has done so. He has not done so. Now, Congresswoman Veronica Escobar says that she is concerned for everyone's safety in the area. Now, I also reached out to Congressman Tony Gonzalez for a statement about what happened out here today, but I did not receive a response in time for this report. For now, reporting from the U.S.-Mexico border, Giovanni Carrillo. And the pinch is being felt in Ciudad Juarez as these asylum seekers are now stuck there or are being expelled to Juarez. Jonathan Mejia from our sister stations tells us now how the people from El Paso are helping the Venezuelan migrants who are now in limbo in the streets of one of the most violent cities in the world. 
Well, that's right. With that new immigration policy, it is now Juarez who's seeing migrants out on the streets. Now, you remember, that was a reality here in El Paso, and it was hit there when I met Maria Dolores Ruiz, who had taken migrants to her home, and now she's driving across the border to bring whatever she can. Maria Dolores Ruiz is making a call to her friends and family. She's asking for blankets, clothes, shoes, and basic necessities for Venezuelan migrants that have been expelled back to Mexico under the new immigration policy by DHS. Venezuelan migrants are fleeing Venezuela due to the harsh reality they're facing. No jobs, no opportunities, and a complicated regime under Nicolás Maduro. When I get here, I'm surprised by the situation. They told us we can't cross through to the United States. They didn't let us through. We're facing the problem that they're not letting us through. We've traveled a lot. It took us 66 days to get here. And when we get here, we're sent back to Mexico. The whole border institute here in El Paso is also helping migrants across the border. The organization tells me the new policy is a hindrance for asylum-seeking migrants. This is sadly a step backwards for the restoration of asylum here in the U.S., but it's another opportunity for us to show how we as a community really shine. And it's an opportunity for us to give what we have extra to help those in need. While Juarez is the sister city of El Paso, it is divided by the border, separating Mexico from America. That is a barrier for some to go and help out like they did here in El Paso. We're always the first to respond, right? Um, and we're the ones who are bearing the burden of having these people being part of our communities now. Our responsibility falls upon us right now to step up and show up for people. Now, the Hope Border Institute has a team on the ground in Juarez and will start accepting donations early next week so they can continue to go and bring help to migrants out in the streets of Juarez. I'm reporting live from the U.S.-Mexico border, Jonathan Mejia. And this is not only happening across the border with Mexico. Some Venezuelans are going back all the way to Panama. If you remember, many cross through the Isthmus on their way to the United States, going through the Darien jungle, one of the most dangerous in the world. Now we have this report from Panama, where hundreds of Venezuelans are now stuck, and some are heading back from the U.S.-Mexico border, trying to go home after the change in U.S. policy, according to CNN in Español. Cada persona está comprando su ticket. Todas las personas que se van en estos vuelos han estado pagando ellos o algún familiar sus vuelos. Ellos están pagando ahora mismo el valor de ese ticket es de 280 dólares por su ticket. Eh, los que no tengan dinero son los que vamos a trasladar nosotros hasta Chiriquí, hasta que la misión diplomática de Venezuela o algún organismo internacional pueda asistirlos en su retorno voluntario a su país. Nosotros no nos están regalando nada acá. Todo lo que nos movilizamos de acá lo pagamos nosotros. Ninguna, ningún gobierno nos está pagando nada. Todo lo estamos costeando cada uno de nosotros con lo poquito dinero que nos pueden enviar el familiar que tenemos por fuera. Last weekend, two humanitarian flights with hundreds of Venezuelans made it back to Venezuela. Others are now waiting to go home, while others say they will continue their trek to the U.S. But for those who made it into the country after the change in policy, it has not been that easy. Last week, you met the Millan family who was separated from their 19-year-old son despite him being young enough to be included in his parents' asylum application. Now, that application allows any children who are not married and under the age of 21 to be together and to be processed together as a family unit. 
but Johandrik Millan was expelled and sent to Aguas Calientes with no money or cell phone since his parents had it in their belongings. This is when we met the family and with the help of attorney Amy Maldonado and other border attorneys, Johandrik was allowed to come back to the U.S., but even that proved to be difficult. ¿Cómo te sentiste al ser expulsado otra vez a México y ser separado de tu familia? Bueno, me sentí muy solo, preocupado, porque yo entré como grupo familiar a los Estados Unidos. Entonces, a mí me devolvieron nada más a mí, a mi familia de Johandrick explains how scared he was when he arrived in Aguascalientes. He also told me that no one believed him that he was going to make it back to the U.S. Now, with the help of the state of Chihuahua, 321. Now, with help from agents in the state of Chihuahua, the 19-year-old made his way to Juarez and then to the main U.S. bridge by 8 a.m., Once there, he was processed again and allowed to go to a shelter in El Paso until he could get on a bus back to Eagle Pass, Texas to meet up with his family. The surprise for his family was when we were able to be in on the call with attorney Maldonado to give them the good news. Noticias buenas. Gracias. Mi contacto en el gobierno está diciendo que Joanne tiene permiso a entrar hoy. Cuando llegará a Juárez, va a permitirle a pasar, cruzar en El Paso. Gracias, gracias, gracias. Bendiciones para ustedes por haber logrado esto. De verdad. Gracias. On Monday, October 24th, on his mother's birthday, Johandrick made it back to Eagle Pass to this tearful reunion. All of this as his father throws himself on his knees, he clasps his hands and looks up to the sky and thanks God. The family is now planning to head north to Chicago and then on to Milwaukee, where the Venezuelan and Cuban community there are waiting to help. Joe Hendrick, who was a member of the Academia Astros in Cuba for young boys playing baseball, may have the chance to prove his talent once his heroes are done with the World Series. Maldonado, attorney Maldonado, represents some of the players and coaches on the teams, including the Astros, and has shared with them that their prodigy from Venezuela is here in the United States. He may get a chance to show off his skills later next year. ¿Todavía sigues con el sueño de jugar béisbol? Sí, con ese sueño lo llevo desde pequeño. Siempre me ha gustado el béisbol. He sido muy fanático del béisbol, siempre me ha gustado ese deporte. Y siempre me he sido fan de, de muchos béisbolistas, peloteros como Miguel Cabrera, Pablo Sandoval, José Altuve y Andy Chávez, que me han inspirado para que me han inspirado a seguir jugando y ser fan de este deporte. Joe Hendrick says that he still has that dream that started as a little boy to play in the U.S. And for those who make it into the United States, 
to await their legal process for asylum and trying to get settled, it's not that easy. We spoke to the CEO of Catholic Charities, who offers help to all refugees and immigrants alike. We're now speaking with Antonio Fernandez, who is the CEO, uh, Executive Director, correct, of Catholic Charities. Antonio, thank you for being with us. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Tell us about what you're going through right now. We see a change in policy during the Biden administration that's geared towards Venezuelans. So are you still seeing the same number of Venezolanos coming in to the San Antonio area? No, we have seen a decrease. Uh, even before Title 42 uh, started affecting the people from Venezuela, we had started seeing less people coming from the country. Uh, right now we see a lot more people from Nicaragua, Colombia, and Cuba. But again, we're still seeing some Venezuelans crossing. What can you do for them once they get into San Antonio? Not everybody's coming directly from the bus as Eagle Pass and then going to the center. You're, I'm sure you're getting other people that are trickling in also that come undocumented and under the radar. So what kind of help can you be to them? So anyone that comes to Catholic Church is provided with assistance. You know, we, we try to serve anyone who is here in San Antonio. We don't ask people, you know, where you're from. We ask people, are you hungry? Do you have a place to stay? And so on. With the immigrants, we have a lot of people who actually are coming through different uh, border cities through the government, through ICE or Border Patrol. And some people who actually are walking through there. And we just offer them the services, uh, understanding that they're being referred to us by the government so we can actually help them get to the final destination. So many families may go to New York, some people go to uh, Florida, Illinois, wherever they are going. And um, while they are in our care, we try to provide all kinds of services to them. Uh, we truly, truly work in a wraparound services model in which we take care of the, the, the body, the mind, and the spirit. So anyone who comes to our site has access to an attorney uh, just to provide basic, basic legal information. Uh, a counseling services, which, you know, after traveling for months and months, as you can imagine, some people have gone through so many traumas. Well, it's absolutely nice to actually talk to someone. Um, and also spiritually, we, we work with different faiths, uh, but we have rare, I mean, we have over there, I think right now, several sisters and priests on a regular basis to come and just talk to people. Um, and for us, it's important because it's just... It's how do you treat people with respect and with dignity and, and with love. And in the meantime, we're providing with food and clothing and, and a place to sleep, you know, and safety. So, so for us, it's just how do we help all of these people with as, as many things as we can. And Catholic Charities has not only helped the people that are coming from the southern border, you've also helped people that have come in from Afghanistan, correct? Correct. We have over 3,100 people from Afghanistan who have arrived to San Antonio. And we are able to uh, help them um, actually a lot more in, if, because those people will stay here in San Antonio. So from providing them with housing to help them get in jobs, um, help the families to learn English, whatever they need so we can actually help them become self-sufficient. How important is it when they come in or how difficult is it when they do come in and they don't have any documentation with them? Well, it, it is very important for us. Uh, I mean, we do have attorneys and we do have um, uh, people to help them, case managers. But at the end of the day, it's like the quicker we have the documentation from the government, the quicker we're going to be able to help them. Um, it's just it's a matter of matter of time. And 
And for us, we work with the government. We try to help the government as much as possible to reunify these people with their family members or to help them to become self-sufficient here in San Antonio. What is the one thing that they all tell you when you first see them? What's their biggest desire? You know, um, most of them, I think, the first thing that they tell me is they want to work in the U.S. They, they come here to work. They come here for the American dream and, and for that life that they, they couldn't have in their countries. The, the second thing that I hear a lot is about how happy they are with, with us. You know, they tell me horrible stories about the trips here. And when they feel like what we can do for them in days, they really, really enjoy that. And they are very, very thankful. Now, if anybody wants to help or donate, you guys do accept donations? Of course, you know, I mean, anyone can go to the website in Catholic Charity San Antonio online and make a donation. Uh, right now, we're actually doing a campaign for toys and for blankets. So uh, if anyone is willing or uh, has extra toys, then please bring them to Catholic Charity because these kids need to be kids. You know, they have gone through so much. Um, it's always nice to have something that they can play with. Um, and again, you guys are run by the Catholic Archdiocese, correct? Well, we, we, well, we are by 1C3, an independent entity, but yes, we are, you know, the trustees, what we have as Mr. Gustavo is our chair. Okay. And for you, I mean, the politics behind everything that's going on right now with immigration, is that that's not a care for what you do, correct? Correct. I mean... Uh, we will respect the law, of course. I mean, we're, we're here to obey, but so a child is a child. And if a child needs to eat, we're gonna try our best to actually feed a child. And I think, you know, everybody that I ask that, everybody agrees with that. That is all for this week. Next week, I will be covering the race for the 28th congressional seat between the incumbent Henry Cuellar and the Republican candidate, Cassie Garcia. The 28th congressional district includes the major cities of Laredo and part of San Antonio. Now, I do wanna remind everyone to please go out and vote since this is the one way that we all are equal. Reporting from San Antonio, Texas, for Sinclair Broadcasting, for this edition of Immigration Crisis, the Fight for the Southern Border, I'm Jamie Virgin. Until next time.